late. It's not Tuesday when this is coming out. Maybe it is. Maybe it's Tuesday night. Or maybe it's Wednesday. I'm not sure yet. Because I'm recording it and it's Tuesday afternoon. So yeah, I got behind the eight ball, guys. Um, Just, you know, life stuff. Gotta keep up on, on the things that actually pay the bills and uh, make sure the, the animals are fed and the firewood's in and all that fun stuff that comes along with it. So here I am uh, with you guys for episode number 107. We're just going to get into it because... Uh, I want to get it out to you. My guest today is Mr. Pat Watson. Pat has a podcast over there at Uncensored Tactical. Uh, he's written a book, and he is incredibly knowledgeable about um, the the skill of lock picking. And uh, we got into to some of that today about uh, you know why that's something that uh, a homesteader or anybody really ought to know, um, and how that can actually help to uh, increase the security around your place. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, go check out the book. Go check out his website, uncensoredtactical.com, and uh, sign yourself up for, for one of his uh, his classes, because you know you're going to learn a lot. Anyway, guys, let's, let's go plant those liberty seeds with my guest, Mr. Pat Watson. Let me give you all the rundown. It ain't never been a cause for me to turn down. So get ready when you hear we about to come round. Now, feel the rhythm in your backbone. You ain't shaking what you're coming in the shack mode. Act mode like you wanna party when the track on. I'ma give it to your full throttle when attack mode. Satch mode when I'm on this thing. Spit flame that'll burn the whole Dak Gurn stage. When I wrote him in it, burn through the Dak Gurn pain. Now you're playing me, you act like it's a Dak Gurn game. Campaign, now we move with our hands up. Seems like the whole world is against us. Seek the truth, that's a rule that you can't trust. Seeing how we do, move smooth like a panther. My guest tonight is, uh, or today, or whenever you're listening to this, I guess, uh, is Mr. Pat, Mr. Pat Watson. Um, you may have may have heard of him. He's got a, a podcast out there called Uncensored Tactical, and uh, he's got a got a book out that came out in uh, in August. And uh, I, I meant to try to get him on earlier, and I, I totally spaced on that. But uh, tactical lock picking, um, and he's got he's got that down, and uh, or he's on today to I don't know talk about some of those things and. Why you should care? Why why it matters? So, uh, Pat, thank you for for coming on. I, I do appreciate your time. Awesome! I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Not a problem, man. So, a um, little bit of your your background. I know you have uh, you've been on some other stuff, and don't want to get too deep into the weeds there. But um, did you grow up like? How did you how did you end up in this sort of uh, security, like, you know, being mindful of, of all the stuff in your, your daily life routine. Was that something that it was a kid or was that something you came into like kind of as you got older? I was primed to learn about security when I was a kid. Um, my old man was a cop. So from a very, very young age, <clears throat> it was really common that if we were driving down the street and there was a, like a stranded motorist locked out of their car, um, it was common that we'd pull over and he'd grab the Slim Jim out of the back and pop someone's lock and we'd keep on moving. Uh, so that, just some things like that, very early on tipped me off to the fact that security is not what it seems. Uh, also growing up in a, in a law enforcement household, I learned that uh, the police and policing services are not what they seem. And I saw really early that there is a full spectrum of personality uh, and character traits for people that are in law enforcement. So I knew that there were good people, bad people, people that were fired, people that did wrong. Um, I knew there was a, a huge amount of incompetence 
Uh, so even as a small kid, I saw a lot of that. So that really primed me and opened me up to the understanding what I call the illusion of security. Gotcha. Yeah, and you know, it's it's something. It's like you that that spectrum of people you find them everywhere. You know, and and whether it's you know the the guy flipping burgers at McDonald's, the the school teacher, or or the cop. Like there's there's a spectrum. There's good people. There's bad people. And there's you know everybody in between. And I don't know. Um, so you did that. Did you? Uh, I know you served a little bit, and then came out when did you pick up i don't know when when did you really get into it like this was something that you wanted to focus on and kind of put put more time and effort into it than than just as a i don't know hobby or or something to to know about uh when i was a kid i remember my dad came home from one of his law enforcement training regimens uh, and i guess he was training with a very forward-leaning kind of aggressive training uh units or something and I was about seven or eight years old when I learned how to walk your handcuffs from the back of you to the front of you, um, which a lot of cops today don't even know is possible. So I learned how to do that as a kid. And I asked him, I said, hey, uh, he came home from a training regimen and he said, hey, we had to walk our cuffs from the back to the front. We had to hide the handcuff key on us and we had to break out of a jail cell. And I'm like, wait a second. Doesn't that make you a bad guy? Uh, and he explained Um, Of course, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but roughly he said, if we know exactly how to break out of security, then we know how to prevent that breakout of security. So seeing things from both sides of the ball. So I physically was doing, you know, small, you know, non-important drills like that as a kid. And I'd see him, you know, slide the credit card through a door jam, things like that. Uh, But I seriously got into it probably my first few years in the military. So sometime around 2008, 2009. Um, a couple of my buddies went to a, I I had friends in all sorts of different military services. Uh, and I remember one of them came home and he said, Oh, I went to steer school, you know, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. And he said, well, we, you know, did this jungle training and, you know, these kind of rural kind of survival. And he said, but we also had some instructors teach us some urban survival and, uh, you know, we had to make paperclip lock picks and pick open some padlocks. And I was like, Oh yeah. I've always known that that was a thing. And uh, the two of us sat down and, and did it. And I remember from that very specific moment, the first time I popped one open, I thought, well, game over. That's what I'm doing with the rest of my life. <laughs> it was just wild. Yeah. Uh, so probably seriously since about 2008, um, but primed for it once I was, uh, you know, for being a small kid. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. It, it's, it's something that I've like, I've seen, you know, I, I see a lockpick kit and I, I, you know, I've in the, uh, the IKC discord, you know, I, I've seen it mentioned here and there and it's, it's never something that I've like gone full bore on. Like I, I just, I don't, I don't know why. And I need to, you know, it's one of those things that you need to, like when you really sit back and think about, you know, why is this important? Um, you know, like you said, being able to see it from, from both sides of things, you know, um, when you know your, your weak areas, you can prevent it a little bit more. Um, but how, how hard is it for, for someone to get into, to, to start, um, you know, figuring out how to, how to pick a lock or how to kind of, you know, Jimmy your, your car. I know, you know, car doors are a little different now than they were, you know, 20 years ago and everybody's got electric locks and, you know, all this, you can't, can't just reach in through the window. Um, yeah. Coat hanger. Sure. Uh, that, and that market changes every day. The tools and technology to break in through locked obstacles 
that technology changes every day, as well as the locked obstacles themselves being upgraded and changing and altered every day. Um, so the game that I play is a constantly reassessing loop. Um, but a lot of our techniques, I, I teach a percentage game of. So I'll say, uh, this is a tool that will match this lock, and there's a pretty good percentage rate that this will work. And then I always tell my students, uh, you have to reassess not only while you're trying to make entry, you have to reassess, you know, is this the best method? Do I have other tools that are faster? Can I use other resources? So not only on scene do you have to reassess, but your training overall, like throughout the years, should also be reassessed to match technology and, and you know, changes in, uh, in tools and locks. Okay. Uh, but to get into it to start, uh, I teach the first block of my course, uh, whether it's the digital course that I teach, like the, uh, the online distance learning that I do, uh, or if it's an in-person course where you're sitting with me and we're learning together. The very first block I teach every student, um, and I start with no PowerPoint, no lectures, no intros. I just say, we're all here. We're starting. Pick up this lock. Pick up this lock pick. Let's go. Every course without fail is, is, is what I do. Um, I, the first block is titled 60 Second Crash Course. So I give about maybe 60 60 seconds worth of instruction. And I say, here's one tool. Here's one lock that goes in. Here's the second tool that goes in. Tool number one does this. Tool number two does that. Ready, set, go. And that's about it. It's it's as simple as that to get started. So a lot of low and medium security padlocks will open with tiny little tools that are really cheap with that really simple, non-scientific approach. And I'd say about 99% of my students have their first padlock open. Um, within about 60 seconds and the rest of them with some minor coaching, if they can't get it in 60 seconds, they'll get it within two or three minutes of me kind of adjusting them. So to get started really quick. That's reassuring, right? It's a, it, not, you know, <laughs> you think about it, like, you know, just some of the, some of the locks you think and you look at it and you see, oh man, it's just so hard. And all the, the kits that have like 60 different pieces and I, oh, God, yeah. I, I, I don't, what, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, I, you know, but I have, I have enough time trying to get the, the inside doors unlocked with a screwdriver, but. Um. Yeah. Without, uh, without some mentoring, it can certainly be uh, overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. You know, if, if anyone out there wants to get involved in lockpicking, I have a lot of podcast episodes on how to get started and, and what tactical lockpicking is. And I remind people, do not buy the lockpicking set that says 200 pieces for $200. <laughs> don't, that's a lie. You don't need any of that. You'll use maybe two of those tools for the rest of your life and the rest of them uh, will collect dust. So I have lots of articles and podcasts on what I recommend people start with for their starting gear. Uh, and that, that's over at uh, Uncensored Tactical. Uh, well, I'll put that in the, the show notes. But um, all right, so you you do that. Um, is it is there in terms of like like the homestead security side, right? And, and I, I say homestead, and you know that can be really anywhere. Um, you know, are, are there things that that you see people uh, missing? Uh, on a whole, like if you, you know, most people think about this, but you know, a lot of people don't think about this other thing that's really important or, or something like that. How, how do you see homestead security? Like what's, what's our, our basic sure. thing to go off of? Uh, and, and it applies, like you said, it applies everywhere. But one of the common problems I see is that people will, they will choose a lock or a locking system based off of a, you know, what they want to defend. You know, they want to defend their property. So they choose a locking system. What they don't do is they don't match the statement of, I want to prevent this type of attack, so I'm going to use this type of defense. They don't 
connect these two wires. Uh, so a great example of that is when I show people how to pick open a standard pin tumbler padlock, which is probably what you have on your front door. Uh, I teach people how to do this lock picking and they instantly go, oh my, oh, I have to change the keys to my house. This is unbelievable. You know, I, I got to go home and revamp everything. And I just, I'm going to have a locksmith install a brand new lock. And I go, okay, but that's not going to stop someone from kicking your door in. So uh, if someone were to, you know, if I want to prevent someone from picking my front door lock open, I would buy a lock with a higher pin tumbler type security variable. Hmm. If I want to stop someone from kicking my door in, it doesn't matter what type of lock I choose. It, it makes almost no difference. So the, the mechanism stopping someone from kicking your door in is really just pushing a one, one inch by one inch metal latch through about one inch of cheap pine wood on your door frame. Right. So that would be this. If you want to stop a violent forced attack on your door, you just upgrade the screws. You can maybe buy an upgraded latch protector uh, that you drill into your door frame. And that, that is buy once cry once. I mean, and not even cry once it's, it's not very expensive. And I recommend for the homestead and for all sorts of security, there is a time and place for doing some sort of upgraded layered security, expensive professional approaches, but I really like the low cost and low effort security upgrades that once you install doesn't change the way you live your life. So for instance, if I upgrade my, my latch or the type of lock on my front door, I still, I walk home, I put the key in, I twist it, I push the door open, I close the door behind me, I'm fine. So something that w wouldn't fit into that would be adding 10 different deadbolts and 10 different keys. <laughs> and then every time I go in and out of the house, I have to, you know, hit the, RFID chip on the camera and get my laptop out. And oh my God, yeah, that's no one wants to live their life that way. So the security upgrades that you add into your life shouldn't make your life worse. All right. So I'm interrupting the show today. It's got to be important. Trust me, it is. I'm up here every week speaking freely, encouraging you all to express all yourself, having mind changing conversations, planting little rebellion seeds that will grow into giant pumpkins of persuasion. Why? Why? Why am I up here? Because I love to run my mouth. Because I believe in free, uncensored speech. That's why. Because without the innate right to speak my mind and gather at will, the ability to communicate and exchange ideas disappears. And I can't think of a better way to exchange these ideas than over a delicious cup of coffee with the people that matter most. So together with John Odermatt over at Finding Freedom, we've teamed up to create Run Your Mouth Coffee to bring you the tantalizing coffee you need to get the uncensored speech flowing. Check us out at rymcoffee.com and use promo code homestead to get 10% off your first order. That's rymcoffee.com promo code homestead. I, I don't know, but I got to imagine it's like the, the, the trade, I don't know if the trade off is the right word, a sort of almost return on investment. Like there's probably a number of little things that the, the average person can do to, uh, secure their, their surroundings that, um, you know, you don't have to go all out, um, to, to really kind of tighten, tighten it up a little bit. Um, so I, and it's one of those things like, cause I, we, we bought our house, um, like five years ago and, um, it, but mostly bought it because of like the land, right. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to find a piece of land that's a little bit bigger and, you know, and as I look now and I go and I, I look through the house and, think about things, you know, I start to see the things that like, that I didn't see when I was not thinking about this stuff. Like we have, uh, uh, our front door is, is a really nice door. Um, 
except it's it's glass, right? Like it's this nice big uh, ornate door, but it's got this big glass panel in the front of it. You know, and like what what's you know what's the the point of locking the door if you know if somebody wants to come in they got that even even on the porch you know like we have our door but then it's all like these ground level windows um and it's just it's really i'm I'm, as i look and i think it's like wow what do you you know how do you i can't even i don't know if you can fix that stuff you know um so it's definitely something to think about i think when people are are looking to to buy places you know to keep keep some of that stuff in mind and it, it can be be tough um do you do you have any like recommendations like outside of the house? Like once you kind of get outside, like securing your property? Um, sure. Something that's really common uh, to specific kind of semi-rural or rural homesteaders that doesn't really apply to people in like apartments or your standard cookie cutter neighborhood house would be uh, what I call traffic control devices. So if there's a lock that someone in the public can just walk right up to, like if you live on a rural road and you have a gate and that gate has a chain of some type and a locking mechanism on it, if that locking mechanism is only mechanical, meaning it's not attached to wires, it's not digital, it's just a mechanical lock, and you punch in a couple numbers or you scroll a few numbers to get that lock to open, that would be what you call a traffic control device. It doesn't stop someone from making entry. All it does is it takes them a little bit of, a little bit of time before that becomes unlocked, meaning if I can go 001, 002, 003, and eventually if it will open, that's a traffic control device. So there's pros and cons to choosing a, a keyed lock on something like a rural traffic gate. And there's pros and cons to having a digit, uh, a mechanical push button or a scrolled combination lock on there. Pros and cons to both. Um, if you're able to count numbers up and increase to get into a property or something rural that someone could have hours of unrestricted access to that's not on video, it's not in the public eye, I would steer away from something like that. Um, it's, and it's not because people can't attack a keyed doorway or a keyed lock. Um, it's just that a numbered locks that are combination numbers are so easy to defeat that a child can do it just by counting. So I usually steer away from combination locks. The problem with keyed locks is you always have to have the key with you or you can't get into your own lock. So there's pros and cons on both sides. Um, and whichever one you choose... Uh, try and consider a layered security approach, even if it's just two layers. Um, having just one layer is, of course, is you know, just bare minimum. So uh, something you might want to, depending on the price variable, something you might want to install is some type of motion detector or lighting system, um, even if it's low tech, like uh, like a sec- automatic security light, where if it sees motion, it turns the light on. That would be one layer of security. That plus a combination padlock okay, well, you have a combination padlock where someone could count, but if they walk up to it and the light goes on and they're still messing with it a few minutes later and the light is staying on, well, that's, a, that's an indicator to you and to other people. So uh, try to layer your security. Um, so you know, every security approach isn't perfect and it can't be perfect. There's no such thing. But layering is a good idea and try to stay away from traffic control devices, meaning counting locks if you can. All right. All right. And then... Uh... So I guess that's that's probably where people should start if they want to if they're they're if they don't have things kind of secured if they're not you know there um, probably where you start right start start adding layers whether it's a, a motion light or or something like that um, don't forget to run that through your filter of your preparations shouldn't make your life worse so it shouldn't be buy ten padlocks buy ten chains lock each one of them up every time but it should be something like an automatic passive lighting system. And, and a lock. 
uh, something like that. All right. And so all this, all this stuff and more is, is in your book, right? And you, you talk about, I don't know. I mean, we're talking mechanical stuff right now, but you get into the whole digital side of things as well, right? Yeah. And I, my forte is not uh, the installation or the operation of digital locks, but still in 2021, almost every digital lock out there still has a manual, physical, uh, mechanical bypass that you can use. So even even a lot of like gun safes and uh, RFID locking doors and keypads that you press buttons on, almost all of those, you'd have to say all of them have at least some form of physical mechanism that you can you can bypass or you can attack. So I use I use that that angle when I approach those. There are there are people that specialize in that stuff, but that's not me. <laughs> and I, so how? You know, you hear lock picking. It's like I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to use that. I'm never going to have to like know. And aside from understanding it and understanding, you know, how someone's going to access my property, um, how how often do you do you have to use it? Like when how you know how, how many times have you actually in your life found yourself having to to pick a lock to I don't know um, get in your house to help somebody get in their car or, or something you know like that? Uh, I. I would be shocked if every student I've taught never, ever used that skill set ever in their life. Uh, I, I even the first course that I taught was in Guantanamo Bay. I taught it to fellow guys that I was deployed with. I mean, I've been teaching for years and years before that. But the first commercial open course where I said, give me money and I'll teach you this course. Um, I had a student say before he signed up, he said, I've never been locked out of anything ever. And I said, I have a sneaky suspicion you have some selective memory there. And he said, no, I've never been locked out of anything ever. And I thought, okay, well, I'll go ahead and note that down as the first person I've ever met in my life that was never locked out of anywhere ever. And then 24 hours later, I got a phone call. I was off duty. <laughs> he called my hooch and he said, hey, man, uh, I'm locked out of my hooch. Can you come let me in? And I said, that's funny. I thought you're the guy that never got locked out of anything ever. That's a stupid course. Why would you take my course? So uh, it's very common. Uh, for some people more than others, if you're clumsy or forgetful, it happens. But to be honest, the more administrative you are and the more you manage or the more you access different types of infrastructure, whether it's offices or buildings or gates or uh, things like that, uh, sometimes if you know this skill set and if you have the tools with you, or even if you don't sometimes, uh, it's often faster to go oh man, I left my keys in my car and I walked all the way to my office to get this thing, but it's, the office is locked. Sometimes it's faster to go, oh, let me take this thing out of my pocket. Okay, we're in. Often it's faster to pick your lock into, you know, pick pick a lock into somewhere you have access to than to go get the actual key, even if you have the actual key. So uh, I use it so often that it just, it's a blank space up here. I, I don't even track it because it's so common in my life. Uh, my students uh, any of the students that ever reach back to me with you know emails and feedback and things like that, uh, they say one of the most common stories is that where they go, I was at work and I had the key to something, but the key was like a two minute walk away. So I just took out my picks and opened it faster than getting the key. So that's one of my really common feedback stories. So how how often and how common is this skill set to use in real life? Well, it depends, but I guarantee you if you have the tools and you have the skill set, you'll use it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I believe that I can think of at least two times off the top of my head that I've uh, been locked out. Once was the, the fault of a, my, my child. And the other time I, I dropped him down a sewer grate at like two in the morning. It was a, awesome. Oh, uh, it was great. It was great. 
an, another country. I couldn't speak the language, so it was fun. But um, all right, man. So you 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 teach um, you teach a lot. Uh, how, how long have you been teaching it for? Uh, well, I've been teaching since I've been learning, and I started around 2008. So as soon as I learned my first lesson, I was teaching some of the guys I was deployed with and some of the guys on my team. Uh, and then I taught in an official capacity where every time I was deployed, I would teach a block on security and on lock picking. I'd give some, some of the guys I work with, give them some tools and we'd play with some padlocks. So I have been actively professionally teaching for over a decade now. Um, but I've been teaching the open commercial market for about maybe three, four years now. Okay. And how many, how many classes do you have out there? How in depth do they, do they do your classes get? Sure. Uh, there's been some formatting over the years, but, Right now, I teach either a two or three day course. Um, a one day course almost almost isn't really worth the money. Um, our intention is to introduce students to each of the tools and techniques and types of locking systems, like uh, vehicles, doors, latch bypasses, padlock bypasses, keyway attacks on a number of different types of locks. We show the student all of those. We introduce the student to all of those. We try and get at least one successful entry on every single type of thing like that. Uh, and we do uh, restraint escapes as well. Um, and then we try to leave time at the end of every course to put the students through scenarios where multiple tools and techniques will be used and they have multiple options on how to achieve a successful entry. Um, and I like it because there is no right answer on a lot of our scenarios. We we don't like to set them up where they're really pigeonholed, where it's, <laughs> okay, we want the student to get here to see this lock and to go, aha, you know, we we like it to be okay. The student can either get in this way, or get in that way, or get in the other way. And our our format that uh, myself and one of my co instructors that I I teach with quite frequently, we will set up the scenario so that they can gain entry and go. I found this specific entry point. I exploited it this way. And I'll, and as instructors, we'll go yes, successful entry. And then we'll go. However, if that didn't work, boom, and we shut the door again. And we go. What else would you do? And they go. Oh. So they'll have a successful entry and we'll go, yes, congratulations. Good job. You succeeded. If that didn't work, we're going to relock the door and say, for some reason, that tool or that technique failed. Now what? So we run them through multiple different access points to get through locked obstacles. Um, I forget how that answer started, but that's, yeah. where, that's where it ended. That's good. Now, do you offer, and some of your classes are online, right? You do some, some yeah, I, stuff online? I do some repeat online training, which uh, roughly the format is two hour-long uh, video sessions a month, as well as 24-7 access to the other students and myself on like a chat room like Discord. Um, and that format for this year is going to start in about a month or two, we're going to start that program up again. It's going to be tactical lock picking, but it's also going to be several, several other types of security or tactics uh, training blocks. So I'm going to have some other subject matter experts come in and teach things like uh, your long range shooting, uh, or maybe some digital lock entry stuff or, uh, some martial arts guys, just, we're going to really, really mix it up. And my goal is to kind of make it maybe a pilot course for what I would call a bachelor's degree in tactical sciences. So I will of course be teaching lock picking, but we're going to really expand the curriculum this year. Very cool. And if somebody wanted to, to find that, where, where would they, how do they find that? Where do they go? Sure. Uh, there is a tab on my website on sensortactical.com. Uh, there's a tab that says training courses. So every open enrollment course that I will teach in the future will be posted up there. Uh, but I'm also the most active on Instagram is where I'll do a lot of release info. 
Okay. All right. I'll throw, throw that in there as well. Um, yeah. And so, so you, last, last week I, I had Texas Joe on. He's so great. I love him. <laughs> he, he's a good dude. Um, and, and he told us all about his, his little shindig he's got going on, uh, this, this year coming up and, uh, you, you are going to be there as well. Yes. Um, he, he told us it was, it was your fault, um, that, that he's doing this, but, um, yes. <laughs> so I'm what, <laughs> what, what is it that you're going to be, uh, you're going to be doing? Uh, I'm doing a, a very abbreviated, uh, entry course. So the goal is that I want to give the students as much value as possible, even though I'm teaching about a 45 or 55 minute block of instruction. So off the top of my head, roughly, it's going to be, here's how you would pick open a pin tumbler padlock or a pin tumbler door. Here's how you make entry into a vehicle. And then I'll do maybe one other type of uh, entry or escape technique. So each of them will be about 15 minutes and we'll just do some talking and some coaching. But the other value is going to be that I'll bring all my tools and all my training stands and uh, I will make myself available before and after my presentation you know, for the duration of the weekend for people that want more on top of that. I'll just, I, I could teach 24 hours a day. I love it. <laughs> so I'll teach the official block and then uh, whatever else we can think of after that, we'll sit by the fire and pick, pa- pick padlocks open and uh, discuss the finer points of security. Awesome. That's, 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 uh, Sounds awesome. I, I, I don't think I can swing it. I, I would love to, but uh, it's, are you are you flying out there? Or are you driving out there? I I would rather uh, drive twenty hours than fly for one hour. So I always drive out to Texas. All right, all right, but uh, okay. Um, all right, and I know, and and your book um, that's uh, on Amazon. Is that on, that's on your website as well? I imagine. Yep. There's a tab for my book on the website. Um, if you want to give your money to Amazon, you can do that. They have the physical and the digital versions of it. Uh, if you don't want to give your money to Amazon, which I, a lot of people are starting to do now, you can just go straight to uh, the print manufacturer, or the I guess the printer, which is lulu.com, L-U-L-U. Uh, they have, they're the ones that actually print it. So even if you order the paperback version on Amazon, they go through Lulu who prints it and ships it for Amazon. It, it doesn't matter to me either, whichever version you buy, it makes no difference. I'm just happy to get the information out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, how, I'm curious, how long did that take you to do? Oh God. How, how long was that project? Uh, it's kind of a, a question that has multiple answers. So <laughs> if it was from the idea of writing the book to having it on shelves, that was a couple of years. Uh, if it was from, you know, starting to type, to having a draft done, that was about nine months or so. And if it was from starting starting to type to having it in print, that was, I guess there's several versions of the first draft I did. So I don't know, maybe a year or so, anywhere between one and three years. Awesome. Awesome. I know I was, I was uh, excited to see that come out. So good, good stuff to have in the, the library for sure. Um, but all right, I think that's about it. Anything, anything else you want to, I don't know, things we didn't cover or anything, places we can go to find you or any, anything like that you want to let us know? Yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll do another plug for the book, but uh, in an interesting kind of way here, I hope. Uh, if you're interested in this topic and you say, I want to add this skill set into my life, and if you happen to say, yeah, I'll buy the book too. If you're able to pick up a copy of my book and pick up like maybe two or three other copies of other people's lock picking books. And then just once you get them, just line them up left to right and go, what's the difference here? 
Um, and I think you're going to be absolutely shocked. Uh, some of them, some of the lock picking books that are available on places like Amazon, uh, they're written with pe by people who English is not their first language. Uh, some of them are, you know, you, you can't always tell online, but they'll say complete guide to lock picking and you get it in the mail and you're like, well, this envelope's kind of small and you flip through, through the book and you go, Oh, there's 19 pages here and it's all text mm. and there's no photos. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I tried as much as humanly possible to just pack the value into that book, uh, almost as if it were a, f a more fun version of a textbook. So I really tried to get get a lot of content into that. Awesome. How was it finding a publisher for something like that? I feel like that that could be something that could go either way. I feel like I don't know. Some people might be apprehensive. I, I don't know. I feel like I did an interview on Jack Spirico's show on the actual publishing process. Um, there are people that. I'll give you a short answer if you like. Yeah. Uh, there's people that use a, a, like a traditional official publisher. So they'll say, I have an idea for a book. I'd like you to publish it. Give me some money and I'll write the book roughly. Um, I, I didn't do that process. I did self-publishing, but I paid a company to help me get it self-published. Okay. So they kind of coached me through the process and they, they did some of the things like managing some of the artwork and taking my typed draft and formatting it and putting it into these production engines and doing all the logistics. So they did all that for me, but I won't, excuse me, I won't go that route again. It was very, very expensive. And there was a point when I thought I'm getting my value back on this. And then we went way past that point and I just spent a ton of money getting almost no return uh, by the end of that process. Gotcha. So I didn't love it. All right. Well, I'll throw that. I'll see if I can find the, the link for that guy and throw it in the, the show notes as well. But, um, all right, man, well, I, I appreciate your time and, uh, wish you luck with everything. The class sounds awesome. Um, so yeah, you have a good one, I guess. <laughs> awesome, man. You know, uh, yeah, I'll do one more short one if you don't mind. Yeah. I've been looking for, you know, someone where I can put together, I might even do it with Texas Joe and his, uh, his kids, but I've been looking for specifically a homes homeschooling program where I can say, I can even just give a curriculum to parents and let them have it, you know, for yeah. free and just to talk about what security is and what it isn't and some different facets of it. So um, I'd be happy to collaborate in the future and try and give you guys some, just some free knowledge and value to, uh, I mean, I think it's really important that I think it'd be great to get kids this information yeah. that just blows their world open, just stuff that they might not think is possible is possible. For sure. And, and I guarantee you a, a 10 year old is going to have, <laughs> uh, a much much bigger interest in picking a padlock than you know a, a 40 year old adult that's kind of you know tired but uh that's funny yeah yeah I, I can just i see my kid but anyway yeah um definitely uh, me post on that one, yeah. guys that was pat i hope you all enjoyed that hopefully hopefully he's got some something coming out in the future some sort of a curriculum or, or ideas or, or something that we can home homeschooling folks can use to kind of uh introduce the ideas to to our children because why not yeah you can find that link all his links at the show notes homesteads and homeschools.com slash zero zero seven go leave a review on itunes and uh come back next week when i will be here again chatting in your your little ear hopefully hopefully on time 
And I think that's all for today, guys. I'm making it quick, so get out there. Solo Seeds of Liberty. We can all reap shapes of freedom together. Oh,